Hey guys, I'm Caitlin. And I'm Eddie. And we're Plastic, Plastic Culture, Culture, and, and you're, you're listening, listening to Bradley's, Bradley's House Podcast. Podcast. Hey guys, come on in, grab a seat, make yourself comfortable, as you should when you're a guest in Bradley's House, the podcast. I am your co-host, Jared Orr. She is the executive director of the Noel Family Foundation and our host, Ms. Kelly Noel. Kelly, how you doing tonight? I'm doing really great. Thanks, Jared. How are you? If I was any better, I'd be jealous of myself. <laughs> um, I am so excited to, uh, to, to have another episode out, uh, coming off of a, a really cool, fun episode with a upcoming band, Plastic Culture. Um, it they was a lot fine. of fun having, yeah, Caitlin and Eddie were a lot of fun and uh, I've been checking out a lot of their music. If you guys haven't, make sure you go ahead and check them out. Um, but had a lot of fun with that episode and I think people are really enjoying it. Downloads are coming in. Everything's looking good. So, um, you know, I was really happy to get that one done and, uh, I'm excited for a, another big episode today. Um, Kelly, once again, you have lined up an amazing guest. Our house guest today is a man who knew and was actually signed by your brother, Brad, while he was still in high school, uh, alongside his childhood friend, Kyle McDonald. He's created a fan base and scene that can be best described as our genre's version of the Grateful Dead. They've headlined tours, festivals, destination vacation concerts with Closer to the Sun. And after all these years, the crowd still goes crazy every time they swap their guitar and bass on stage mid-song. With their reggae sound, punk roots, jam band vibes, hip-hop rhymes, blues and funk riffs, they offer something for everyone, including amazing vibes and nonstop smiles while on stage. Today, I am so excited to bring to you one of my favorite musicians of all time, a man who actually didn't need an introduction to our audience, which is no doubt filled with stupid heads. But this is a podcast. There's always going to be an intro. So let's welcome co-founder of the band Slightly Stupid, Miles Dowdy. Miles, how are you today, man? Hey, what's going on, Jared? How you doing, Kelly? It's good to be here, that's for sure. That was quite an introduction, Jared. That's like the most impressive introduction he's done, Miles. You should be super flattered. <laughs> that, that that was pretty crazy, man. Thanks for all the love. That was that was pretty awesome. Well, man, I'm a I'm a longtime fan, and uh, and I know that the listeners are super excited for this one, and uh, I am admittedly one of those stupid heads. So I'm uh, I'm trying to play it cool for everybody, but you know, inside <laughs> I'm I'm pretty pumped well, up. About this. I appreciate it, man. It's it's definitely good to be here, and. and uh, this whole journey has been a, a blessing in itself, so it's 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 rad to to be able to be here with you guys. Well, you're a busy guy. We appreciate you taking the time, and our mutual friend Jaime Scott was nice enough to set this up. So uh, we're super excited to have a little bit of time to talk with you. I know you've been busy with kids and sports and stuff. Tell me about your kids. How many do you have? I have three daughters. I have a 11 year old, a nine year old, and a four year old. All girls. Oh my god. <laughs> Wow. Boy, do yep. you have some fun coming up? <laughs> yeah, you know what? Uh there's no there's no love like uh a daughter's love for her daddy though. So that it's is pretty so it, true. It's uh, pretty, wait till she's wait till they're teenagers. <laughs> I know that that's I figured my plan was when they were teenagers I would just tour more. 
You know what I mean? Just kind of maybe skip part of that. Just so <laughs> I'm going to say it wise. <laughs> yeah, solid plan for sure. And you coach some of their sports, right? Yeah, yeah. I've been coaching their softball teams for about five and a half years. Um, they're both pitchers, wow. uh, the two older ones, and they have a lot of fun. They've been playing a long time. And, and uh, you know, now that just since we haven't been touring because of this whole crazy year, um, it was the most that, I mean, I've ever seen my my wife in the, in the time we've been together and the most um, that I've ever seen my kids. So there's like That's a silver awesome. lining to, yeah. you know, yeah, it sucks not being on the road, you know, playing music with your boys and seeing all sure. the fans. Um, but at the same time, you know, you kind of forget, you know, you are, you know, there's normal stuff to life too, as far as like a family. And, and, you know, once you have children, you know, even though you're a touring musician, they, you know, this is the time where they do come first, finally, you know, where, where yeah. everything is, is about them just because we've been home so long. So it's, it's been cool. Awesome. It's been a little, you know, kind of can lose your mind a little bit sometimes because <laughs> even I'm not, you know, we're not used to being home. So you kind of like, you screw up the routine at the house, you know what I mean? Just because, sure. you know, you're just, it's just a different thing, but it's, it's been great, you know, um, they're probably secretly asking mom when you're going to go back on tour. It could be. <laughs> I, I mean, they could be, but it, at the same time, you know, it's, we've got to do so much fun stuff, whether, you know, we're surfing, you know, going on nice. boats and, and playing sports and just having a good time, you know, u- utilizing this time is, is the must, is, you know, the best we can. Yeah. Sounds like you are. That's awesome. Did you play a lot of sports when you were younger? Is that why the coaching? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've, I've always loved to coach kids just in the neighborhood. I've been doing it about 15 years. I used to coach, uh, high school wrestling for about nine years. And, and then I oh, went wow. into softball and I grew up play, uh, wrestling and I grew up playing ball. So, um, I have a lot of sisters that played softball and it was just kind of the girls wanted to play. And, um, I usually try to have the time to be there during their, their regular seasons and then tour when, when they're not. So it's a lot of fun. Right on. Did you grow up in San Diego? Yeah, yeah. Uh, me and Kyle, we grew up in Ocean Beach, um, nice. in San Diego and, uh, we grew up pretty much on the, we started on the same street, but basically just in the same little zone of, of, of town. So, um, you know, we've known each other since diapers. So it's, it's been, uh, wow. this is a killer little town just to kind of grow up and, and, uh, experience. Yeah, it's a great spot. So when did you start playing music? Um, I think we, we kind of started around the same time, like right around, like, 12 years old somewhere around there and then we started uh we started slightly stupid in high school just kind of playing like house parties and um for the most part when we first began and then snuck in and started playing like soma which is the local mm. san diego um kind of like the only really uh dope um all ages venue for bands like ours to play and uh so it's it's been cool just kind of we formed a band really just as we were still learning how to play just cause it's just something that, you know, we wanted to do. We're just like, we want, we want to basically just said, fuck it. And just we're like, let's just make a band and just start playing and figure it out. And, uh, it was pretty cool, man. It, it, it's, it's pretty, pretty crazy to be, you know, we've been in the band 25 years together, me and Kyle. And, and, but we've also been basically brothers since, you know, for more than 40 years and it's crazy, you know, just most people don't know people, you know, someone for 10 years and we've been bros for 40 years, you know, it's, it's crazy. And we've always lived in in the same town together and, and, um, you know, did so much stuff growing up and, and, uh, 
it's really cool. It's, it's been a crazy journey and we get to have fun for a living. And, and, you know, it's a place where you get to hang out with your best friends and, and, uh, really feed off the energy of people and, and, uh, experience, uh, so many different cool things of life. So. So who came <laughs> up with the name? Honestly, we, we still kind of don't remember. It was so long ago. We were like 15, 16 years old and just kind of throwing names back and forth. And something was like slightly something. And somehow someone was like, that's stupid. And, and, and <laughs> somehow, you know, I think it could, it, I don't remember if it was Kyle or if it was Adam that, that, that put those two pieces together, but it just kind of stuck. And what's kind of funny is, you know, when you're a punk rock kid and everything that that's just like the sickest name, you know what I mean? You're like slightly <laughs> stupid. These guys, they don't give a shit about nothing. They're just going to go out there and go crazy and have fun and, and just, uh, and as you get older and, and, you know, when you're cruising around you tell, you know, if you're like on a plane and someone's like, Hey, well, you know, you just start rapping like an older person. Hey, what do you do? And like, I'm in this band. And they're like, Oh, maybe I've heard of it. What's the name? And you say slightly stupid and, and they'll look over at you and they can't help but like chuckle, which is this is what I've always loved about the name of the band because it literally like when you say it to some people, no matter what, you're going to remember something about the band because of the name. Like it's so silly. Like, you know, those stupid guys are, you know, slightly something or, or just when you first tell some people that never heard the initial shock is, is worth is priceless. It's awesome. <laughs> well, it <laughs> aged well, it aged well. Um, you know, <laughs> we had, we had Brandon Hardesty on a, a few episodes ago and he was like, yeah, you know, f- I kind of wish we didn't name our band bumping uglies. And you know, now it's, kinda, <laughs> but it's, it's caught and it's, you know, so that's, that's what it is. And so, yeah, of course. I mean, it, it, it has, it's, it's, it's moment in time and, and it is what it is. It's just, you think about it through the course of time from when you were 16 and you started this band and now you're, you know, in your forties and, and you're, it's still, you know, same band, same, you know, we've had the same lineup for a long time, but me and Kyle, we've been together this whole time. And, and it's just funny to just still have that crazy, you know, vibe. And, and we still have that same kind of energy as when we were little punk rock kids um, awesome. we're, we're just older now. <laughs> when Brad was that age, he was in a band called Sloppy Seconds. So. Oh, that's pretty rad yeah. too. <laughs> it was. But I know when they decided to come up with a name for Sublime, he wanted something a bit more commercial. He was definitely looking in that direction. Um, yeah, so I mean, he heard dope. you guys when you guys were in high school, right? Yeah. How did that happen? Um, so they were playing a show at, um, what was a, local bar kind of like a almost like a biker bar back in the day kind of it was called dream street in ocean beach um off bacon street and uh they were playing one night and i was i think i just turned 16 and my mom and her friends kyle's dad and his friends they were all huge sublime fans because just like kind of a surf community and Mm-hmm. And we were too, like we, this was back in the day when there was still cassette tapes that you had in your car. And yeah. so we, we would go on surf trips down to like K38s, um, 39s, bumping the 40 ounce to freedom cassette tape. Um, it had to have been 93 right around, right, right around there. Maybe nice. I think right around that era. And, um, so basically they were playing in at dream street and my mom's friend, 
made me a fake ID so I can go to the show. And because it was a bar, 21 and up. And she made this That's perfect. A good Yo, this thing was so good back then. It, it was before they had all those crazy chips and and things. So yeah, the the light the license was literally every all my info, my picture, perfect, legit California license. Like I can go into any wow. liquor store and just buy booze at sixteen, and it yeah, was like man. shit. Damn, that's and, a lot uh, better than the one that I got at the swap meet that said I was a dependent when I was fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> I had I had the exact same thing. I actually had a guy that like modified my learner's permit and oh was like God. able to change the actual date on it. Shout out Will Wadsworth. Dude, I was getting <laughs> beer for so long. And the worst part is, is like when I was 15 or 16, I guess I was 16 because it was my learner's permit. When I was 16, I looked 14 and <laughs> I would go, I would go into these liquor stores and people would look at this thing and they would just be like, no fucking way. I mean, I actually had a, I had a guy pull a book out from underneath to look at how you could find if a, a license was counted, but everything was legit on it except for the date. Yeah, that that that's what's money when you have all the, the stuff like legit. It's so easy just to walk in there confident, going, "How you like? Sorry, dude, flash it, do what you want, man. This thing's you got. You don't have me. Like I'm good. I'm in." <laughs> so, but anyway, the the uh, so we went to the show and uh, I forget exactly what happened but we were all outside and my mom and her friends um and kyle's dad everyone was kind of chilling around over there and um they were talking to miguel and brad and troy was there um just i think they got wind somehow like that she was a nurse or something and just see if you know they were trying to make some sort of attempt to to kick heroin i think at the time and and so they just kind of got rapping and, and the conversation just went to, well, you know, my son and his friend play in, in a band. And, you know, since Miguel and Bradley kind of have that punk rock attitude, they're like, oh, well, we'll come over tomorrow and come check them out. And literally they just came over the next day and then we had all this recording equipment and acoustic guitars and electrics and basses out. And next thing you know, we just started tracking right there. Like that first day, just hit record and, and start playing music. Um, and it was pretty rad just cause, you know, I was a kid and, and you're this, this is, you know, obviously, you know, a, a band that you're a big fan of and, and who kind of, you know, you can't believe that they're in your pad, you know, hanging out and, and jamming with you and, and even giving you the, the time of day. So it was pretty cool. And, and from there, it just kind of, kind of took, uh, I ended up spending a lot of time with Brad and Troy and, you know, kind of took under the wing and, and this was when Brad didn't have a license. And I ended up like just kind of driving around like from Long Beach to San Diego. And, and, and <laughs> there were a lot of times but, when Brad didn't have a license. Yeah. You know, and I was just 16 and I'm, I'm driving, you know, oh, Brad's kind of treating me like his little brother and, and just kind of give him, you know, I'm hanging out with all the boys and being a little guitar tech, you know, kind of carrying all the gear in at night, you know, just going to the shows and just having a lot of fun. And, and that's kind of how the, you know, the mentoring and the friendship kind of kept going and like little, basically kind of just total treatment of like little brother kind of style. And, and, uh, it was awesome, man. We had a lot of good times and, and, uh, Miguel and Brad were like, Hey, you know, we got this little spot called the fake nightclub, um, up in Long Beach. Why don't you guys, you know, come up and record a, a record. And so, you know, so many people think that when you, 
you know, you're going to be on a label and record or whatever. And it's supposed to be like this and that. And, and the fake nightclub was the craziest little spot there was like just super <laughs> ghetto, um, real to real eight track, total punk rock, just spray. Every wall was graffiti to the, you couldn't even <laughs> see a patch of white, you know, the carpet, mm-hmm. you know, you might as well have just, it might as well just light it on fire. Like it just, <laughs> everything was so crazy, dirty and gnarly, but rad at the same time, you know, like that moment in time was just, you know, we were so pumped to be recording and, you know, we were with Miguel every night and all the boys would come down from, you know, Opie to Eric, Bud, Brass, you know, Brad, everybody just come down and hang and it turns into a party and we're little kid, you know, we're young kids in high school just going, this is fucking rad. You know, like, just because you're you're such fans of the band, and and you know they were such a big influence on you know not only us but just so many people in general, and and uh, um, it was just really cool how that you know there was a good little stretch of few, three years about um, you know before Brad passed that you know we had a cool little relationship and and just they taught us a lot about just what to do on the road and and get back to towns over and over again never never given up because you know you've gone into towns where there's no one there and then next thing you know there's 20 people there and then it turns into 100 and keeps mm-hmm. kind of going up and up and the fan base has just been great and we learned that from brad and miguel just saying hey get your asses on the road like don't don't forget like the grassroots kind of grind is what really you know builds you to have success just because the appreciation mm-hmm. between the hard work on the road and, and the and the fan base um is you know something that is like timeless really it and that's kind of what the best advice they gave us coming out of all that was was that like get your ass in the van hit the road 200 plus days a year and um just make it happen that's kind of what you know kyle and me were like yo this is what we want to do and and um let's just no matter what you know you can't be scared to fail you just got to get your asses out there and do it absolutely there's no shortcut that's for sure no, not back then because there was, this was like pre Napster and all that stuff. So you actually yeah. had to like flyer towns and stuff with paper flyers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah for those young ones listening, no one. we used paper back then. <laughs> so when did things really start to take off for you guys? Um, I mean, I, I think it's always been just kind of this steady climb. Like there was never any peaks or valleys. I think it just was a steady climb where every show just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger over time. Um, I mean, honestly, probably like right around everything you need. Um, I think just, uh, energy from people and, and the band itself, I think started to kind of grow. Um, and that's that album, I think came out at the right time where we were kind of just making kind of like just, just maturing as a band, really. You know what I mean? I think, uh, when you're younger, you know, when our, and the way we like to make music in general, but as when we were younger, we were just more kind of like, fuck the establishment kind of punk rock attitude. Whereas you get older, you mature as a person, but also as a, as a musician, because we have, we're fans of so many different styles of music. Like, and I think as a musician, it gets boring to, you know, to, to just sit there and play the same style. That's why we play so many different styles. You know, me and Kyle both like to play the guitar and the bass. So we switch back and forth, you know, both singing and all that stuff where that's kind of uh something that no band really does. You know what I mean? 
that was kind of a thing that we, we did from the beginning and, and, uh, it's kind of turned into its own little thing. Um, as, you know, they called the swizzle out there on, on the stage and, and, uh, so many good moments doing that forever. And, and I think it's a cool staple of the band and, and, uh, yeah. I got to ask, has that move ever been botched? Has any, have, has anyone dropped, missed the handoff? Because you guys seem to do it <laughs> so, so seamlessly. And, uh, seems like it usually happens during like, don't stop. Um, but you guys do that switch. I mean, you had to have dropped one, one night, right? You know, I, I think we've definitely botched a few, you know, that it is what <laughs> it is. I think sometimes. <laughs> It looks is even even though it looks like it's easy sometimes when you're, when you're going through it and you've had a few drinks like the swizzle can can be a little more challenging. <laughs> <laughs> more challenging, I like that. Yeah, absolutely. So you guys do a like you said a wide range of of sounds and uh, and and songs. Somehow you guys have avoided doing a lot of sublime songs and knowing the amazing relationship that you had with Brad and Miguel and the guys, has that been on purpose that you've, that you've left the sublime catalog alone or, I mean, what's the deal? Yeah. I mean, honestly for us, I thought that the best way that we could honor Brad was to, was to kind of create our own little realm. You know what I mean? Like it could have been easy because back then we were the only there wasn't a lot of like, you can call them like baby bands or that style. Like there wasn't really a lot of bands besides, you know, Sublime and like the No Doubt, 311. There, there wasn't really anyone. There wasn't a lot of those bands because the, the influence hadn't exploded yet, you know, and we were, and it could have been easy just to sit there and, and do some of that live out of the gates where it, you know, maybe that would have helped us. I don't know, but I just felt like for us, the best way honoring him was to do what he had said is got to get our butts on the road and play our asses off and earn our fan base. And I thought that that was the best way to honor him just because that's exactly what he said we should do. Um, every now and then, you know what? I don't even think we have really done it live. I think I've done, I did one on a couple like live streams, but we've never actually physically played one at a, at a concert. Um, and I think the fans would probably love it. I, I mean, maybe we will at some point, but I, I think that we always kind of wanted to be our own voice and create our own voice and not, um, you know, take anything away from the integrity of, of the songs that he wrote. And, uh, I feel there's a lot of, you know, so many people have, which is also respect because the influence that they've had on, on thousands of people. But I think that just because of the relationship we had and what they did for us, I felt like that was the way we should honor, you know, his, his legacy as far as what they gave to us and, and, uh, kind of, you know, we kind of just got on the road and, and tried to do our best to, to emulate what, what, uh, the advice we were given. Sure. And it, it certainly shows. And to be honest, and I've brought this up on the show before, I'm not a huge fan of, cover songs, people doing other people's stuff. But, um, I will tell you, I'm from the East coast. I've been force fed a lot of Bruce Springsteen. And that's somebody that you wouldn't necessarily think that would have been an influence on a slightly stupid, but, um, you guys <laughs> do an amazing cover of uh, I'm on fire. And, uh, Thanks, I man. mean, how does the boss come into play for you guys? Um, honestly, my mom, when I was growing up, used to play the shit out of Bruce Springsteen. Like it was 
you know, summer days, it was just blaring on, in, on the stereo. Um, and I think it was just embedded in my brain. Um, I thought that in a stretch of time, he was a phenomenal songwriter. Um, his stories were, were pretty rad and, and, uh, not, you know, there's so much, regardless in music, there's so many different influences and I, and growing up that just hearing it, my, you know, a quarter of my life, I think it just, it forced me into that song. You know what I mean? Just because it was already embedded in my head. <laughs> no, absolutely. And, uh, another, another one that I, I tell people all the time about, I'm, I'm a huge Grateful Dead fan. I always have been, um, every, uh, version of the band. And dude, you and Bobby doing Franklin's Tower in his studio is without a doubt one of my favorite versions of that song. So I got to ask you, Miles. Oh, thanks, dude. What the fuck do you think Roll Away the Do means? Yeah. So I, I've, I got, thought, I've got no idea. I've been asking Dead fans this for 25 years and they all just look at me the same way. I thought that Roll Away the Do meant like clear like the, like the smoke from all the weed, like Roll Away the Do, like get through the fog. You know what I mean? I, I, I wouldn't, that's the only kind of description I could think of it. I just don't. I'll uh, take that. You know what I mean? To me, that's what it, it would be like, get the do out of the way. Just like, let me, let me clean out the, all the, all the smoke from, from, from all the splits that have been smoking all night. <laughs> but yeah, I, honestly, that was such a cool moment. Um, we've got to play with him a few times and, and, uh, God, man, the dude is just, first of all, a legend, man, like the Grateful Dead still does stuff that no no one can do and um we really kind of modeled a lot of touring after just after seeing what they did and, and you know the the stupid heads um and the deadheads there's a lot of similarities and it's it what well, was cool about uh playing with bobby is it really opened up um a lot of fans in the dead world to us you know what i mean and and now at the shows you can see just from doing those TRI sessions, just how, you know, much that opened up because the, um, you know, the Grateful Dead has been around for so long. Their fan base is just massive and anything they do with stuff, they check out. And, and it's been, it's been awesome, man. Like, uh, I think Kyle said it best. He's like, when you look into Bob Weir's eyes, it's like staring into a galaxy. You know what <laughs> I mean? It, and just cause the dude has just gone through and seen so much in his time as a musician. Um, and experimented with who knows what and just made it through. He's still in his seventies, still rocking. Like it's just incredible. You know what I mean? And, and anything you can learn from people like that, um, you just sit there and, 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 and feed off of it. You know what I mean? It's such a cool moment. Um, there was a funny part, uh, just in general, just playing. We were playing a song, I think, Baby, I Like It, and some crazy, like, words. You know, there's some pretty vulgar lyrics in that song. And, and, uh, we say the line, you get to see Bob's face look like, holy shit, did he just say that? <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it, it was like a funny moment. And during the live, you know, jam of the song, <laughs> it was, it was cool. So, uh, just, it's been awesome, man. I think the whole stupid head, deadhead world is, is intertwining and, and, uh, you know, playing all those festivals that we played in the jam, in the jam based world, uh, has been awesome too. It just opened up so many different avenues for stupid. And, and we play a lot of that stuff anyway. So it, it's really cool just to be able to, you know, always have like an eclectic 
you know, mix of music and characters, you know, all the guests from that we always have, you know, usually it's like, you know, Charlie Tuna, Don Carlos, Marlon Asher, Angelo from Fishbone. Um, you know, just it's, it's been awesome, dude. We just tr- basically just stu- stupid and friends all the time. <laughs> yeah. Every, every show is, uh, is a new, in fact, I mean, I've seen you guys in a bunch of different states. Um, I saw you guys in Buffalo, New York. Well, I guess Lewiston, New York, uh, a few years ago. And you had, uh, I think you played with Pepper and you brought Don Carlos out. That was when, uh, Kyle was in his, his cast. Oh, and, wow, uh, yeah. And, and limping around. And, um, I saw you guys actually my two favorite shows of all time in my entire musical careers. I saw David Bowie play at a real small venue in Buffalo and it was just a, an amazing show. And the other one was, um, in Portland, Oregon, you guys did a show and you actually brought Pero Bravo. Somehow you got Miguel out of California and, um, so you had, <laughs> we had Pero Bravo, fortunate youth, and then you guys come on. And, um, was so that, that, was that the crystal ballroom? That was the crystal ballroom. Yeah. Yes. The bouncing floor. Yeah. That show was, uh, so I missed out. The show sold out like really quick. And I was like, you know, no big deal. I know a bunch of scalpers. I'll get tickets one way or the other. But man, the ticket prices were higher than giraffe pussy. There was just no (laughs) way to like, I just wasn't paying that price. So I reached, I actually reached out to mud and I was like, mud. Um, you got to get me in this show. Like I'll still pay somebody, but, and Mud's like, yeah, man, I talked to Michael and he said that, you know, we've got a bunch of people in Portland already on the list. And I'm like, all right, that's fine. But you let Michael know that there's a time he would have just went to Kinko's and printed up another 50 copies of passes. Um, (laughs) and I actually, um, so a few years before that, my dad was the vice president for um, Famous Footwear, Brown Shoe Company, and uh, my dad got Bert Suzanka's son a job. Bert had posted that his kid was looking for a job while in college, and my dad hooked him up with a job, and Bert hit me with the famous last words, you know, hey, man, if you ever need anything. And uh, like a year and a half later, I was like, hey, Bert, you know, you said if I ever need anything, I got to get into this show. And... Peril Bravo already shut me down and he actually reached out to Kyle and Kyle put me on the list. That's and, awesome. Uh, that show was just absolutely amazing. And uh, I say it all the time to, you know, to nobody even got there for Peril Bravo. It was like me and like five other people standing up there and people started to fill in. Um, and you know, from, from the second Michael went on stage to fortunate youth to you guys, that's like one of my very top concert experiences. Oh yeah, that place is rad too. Like the floor, the floor is on these springs, so it as the crowd bounces, the floor bounces. It's pretty, it's pretty intense. Um, and the energy at that place every single time we've played there has just been absolutely bonkers. So that was definitely like the spot to see. I'm yeah. glad you were, you had fun. Yeah, it was amazing. And uh, so the good news is, is I got right up front for for Michael and for Pero Bravo. Uh, the bad news is, is by the time you guys got on there, I had zero chance at leaving the front of that stage. I mean, I was like pressed up against the, I was pressed up against the thing. I mean, um, I think Jeff Pluskin from, from, uh, RFP probably elbowed me in the nose like three times trying to get shots. And I'm like, dude, oh, there's yeah. nowhere, there's nowhere for me to go. I'm, I'm, I'm slammed in this thing. I don't know what the hell happened. I don't, I don't know how people in that front row, just people get just abused, man. Like, those are the real like 
super fans, super troopers. Like you got to be able to hang if you can see, if you could chill in that front row because you're always just getting pressed against the barricade or the stage and, and from well, behind from the side. Well, how about your boy, your boy Kyle hopped off stage and slapped the shit out of that guy that jumped off the stage and hurt that girl at the one show. Kyle oh was, yeah. I mean, that, that dude broke that girl's neck and she would, uh, God, what was her name again? God bless broke her. Broke her neck? Yeah. And she would, she would, oh my God. was still, I don't, I'm not even sure if she's all the way back to walking, uh, completely normal, but she walked with a major limp, like hunched over with a oh. cane for a long oh. time. Like she broke, she, broke her neck i mean that guy when you're 260 pounds you can't be doing stage dives from from oh, 10 foot geez. elevated stages you know what i mean that um, oh my god that was crazy um but yeah that was a sad day it's uh you know i i tip my hat to kyle for tip you know whacking that dude because christ dude he changed that girl's life forever you know what i mean and and uh you know we, we love people to go crazy but when you're that size you got to think you know, when you're jumping into a crowd, there's a, like a lot of little people, you know, people that are 150 pounds or less that can't handle a 260 pound. I mean, none of us could handle a 260 pound <laughs> dude landing on you from 10 feet of, of air, of air. You know what I mean? Right. So that kind of sucked. It, you know, I love stage dives and all that kind of stuff, like just because of the punk rock mentality. But, you know, sometimes there's a, there's a time and a place like when you're in like a punk rock club where it only holds 300 people the stage is only a foot and a half off the ground so you're, you're literally just climbing on top of the people's heads but when you're on those you know outdoor summer stages that are 90 feet you know they're 10 feet high and it's just a whole different animal you know you got to clear the barricades you got to jump out like six feet so that 260 pounds becomes like 600 pounds you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's, yeah it's pretty crazy but yeah, Kelly, I mean, you've is. probably been in some mosh pits, right, Kelly? You know, you'd be surprised to know that I have been in a couple of mosh pits, Jared. Not intentionally. They just sort <laughs> of start around me. But yeah, I've, I've seen a few. My Dude, kids you just gotta roll. Right? I love it. I actually, I love the energy of the pit. I have, um, two boys that are both like, they're like 6'2 and 6'4. So I oh, like Jesus. going to shows with them. <laughs> when the mosh pit breaks out, they're like my personal bodyguards. I feel so that's sweet. perfect. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, a good old mosh pit. Uh, they're pretty. I haven't been in one in a long time, but we used to go in them all the time. Um, I think a uh, one thing that kind of stands out to me in the the whole slightly stupid story, and I don't know how many people are, are even familiar with this, but obviously you talked about how influential Brad and Miguel and skunk was to you guys as kids and something that happens for us when, you know, we become men is that that 18th birthday. And for Kyle, that was actually the day Brad passed away. How did, I mean, obviously he took it hard, but that must've really been something that was, uh, I mean, was that a setback for him and, and you guys, uh, what was that like? No, what was actually rad is that we played a house party, uh, right at the beach that day. Um, and we just kind of celebrated, even though he had passed, but we kind of, you know, celebrated his life, um, and still celebrated Kyle's birthday at the same time. Um, I think, uh, I mean, no one can plan when that kind of stuff is going to happen. Um, it happened to fall on his birthday, but I don't think it, changed him or anything i think he definitely bummed i don't think uh that's the thing you want to hear um right before we were about to play it was kind of that 
that kind of thing that happened. And, and we were all kind of in disbelief, really. Um, but the best thing was for us to be was we were actually playing a party. So it was daytime. Um, everyone from the hood was, was there. Um, it was rad. You know what I mean? It couldn't have been um, a better place to be to get that kind of news. You know, two years ago, we were at Cali Roots with the foundation. We had a, a, a booth that was our first time going. And it happened to be over the weekend of the anniversary of Brad's death. And Kyle came and did an acoustic set at our booth on that day. And it was really cool because, you know, to have it be the anniversary of Brad's death, to be surrounded by all these people that, you know, love the music. And then to have Kyle on his birthday sitting there playing, just it was a really cool moment. It was really special. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, what's what's crazy is just, you know, how really how many people have been influenced or touched by um, Sublime and Brad's music. You know what I mean? It, it's uh, it just it reached so many people on, on for so many different reasons and, and on different levels. And, and I think uh, that's the beautiful thing about music. Um, it's universal, first of all. You know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't see anything but, um, but people, you know what I mean? And it, and it reacts and, and it has different reactions from everyone. And, and, uh, he really launched a, a whole revolution of, of, um, SoCal reggae rock, um, music basically. And, and, um, it's, it's really cool when you think about it, uh, kind of how, you know, every, every little era has a certain style where, you know, there was hair metal, then all of a sudden grunge came and then sublime came. Um, and that really changed, you know, the whole grunge scene was crazy. Like the, the greatest thing out of the grunge scene was Nirvana and everything else after that to me was, was crap. Um, <laughs> no offense to any, anybody, but just Nirvana, you know, their music was so insane. And then, Brad's music came in and changed that whole genre, just like they had done it to hair metal. Um, mm. And I, I thought it was just something that's timeless. And um, the message is rad. And, and so many people are inspired and are happy by it. And uh, that's something that, you know, him looking down from musical heaven, uh, he's got to be proud of that. His, his, you know, son should be proud of that. I know Troy is and, his family and, and everyone that's, you know, been part of his life as far as musically and, and family and friends and everything like that should be something that everybody's proud of. Um, it's something spectacular and, and, uh, it's, you know, those are the kind of things there's only a handful of people that can do that. And, and they were one of them. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. You know, good art speaks to people and, um, you know, whether it's music or a painting or a sculpture or whatever, I think if it, if it touches you and communicates something to you, makes you feel something, that's, that's pretty powerful. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's, that's the, that's what, I mean, life without art would just be crazy. You know what I mean? There's so, it's so much, it brings so much joy to everybody, like in every sort of aspect. So, I mean, we need it. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know what they say? If you take, if you take the art out of earth, all you have is, eh. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> Try the veal. I'll be here all week. <laughs> That's um, awesome. <laughs> uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot a little bit here, Miles, because I I asked for some fan questions and uh, a lot of questions came in, and one of the topics that's been brought up for years and years 
and uh, my buddy Reed asked this question. Is there or is there not a recorded version of Slow Ride that was supposed to be on the Look at All the Love We Found tribute album? <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'm just curious. <laughs> you know what? We did a version, but it uh, it just didn't make it. Okay, fair enough. It, it just didn't make it, yeah. Um, but yeah, we did a version. All right. So uh, are we ever going to hear that at any point, anywhere, anytime? If you want to just send it to me on the side, that I won't, I won't share it with anyone. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that we just, it just didn't, it just didn't work out uh, in time. So we just didn't do it. Um, there's definitely a couple, you know, things in in the works right now um, that aren't that song. So um, okay. You could be looking for those at some point, but I'm not going to tell you the song that we're doing, but um, it, it'll definitely be happening. Ooh, I like that little uh, little inside baseball here on Bradley's House, the podcast. I, I appreciate inside, that. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so you guys started out as a three-piece that was really heavily punk-influenced. Um, and now at times you guys can be like a 13 piece. You guys got horn players and trumpet players and, uh, all sorts of friends coming up and you guys have kind of shifted more to that reggae sound. How exactly did that all come about? I mean, I think just like I was talking about earlier, just as far as, uh, just maturing as a musician, you know, letting your, all your influences kind of show through your music instead of just sticking with one style. I think, uh, you know, for that time when we were teenagers, that was kind of the, the vibe that we had. Um, and I think as we kept getting older, like we mixed in more ska and threw in a couple of reggae songs and, and still played punk. But, you know, now, you know, then we started writing like blues and hip hop and all this different kind of versions of, of, of music. And, and, uh, it just kind of overtook the set, you know, and, and we still, when the moment calls for it, we like to play punk rock. You know, when there's moments that don't call for it as much any, anymore, you know, but there's, we still try to throw in at least one, you know, which, uh, and then if people go nuts for that one, then you know, we're going to do a second one. But sometimes you'll throw punk rock into some of these venues, you know, these outdoor venues where people just aren't ready for that, you know, you could, and you totally throw them off, which I think is hilarious. And, <laughs> you know, where they're kind of looking at you like, holy shit, what the fuck are you doing right now? And, and then, you know, there'll be moments where people are, the pit's so crazy, it looks like a freaking tornado. You can see the dust coming up off the ground. Um, so we're, we're definitely a band that just feeds off the crowd. So if the crowd is calling for it, then we're going to, then we'll play it, you know, for sure. Just because we still have punk rock roots regardless. Um, everyone likes to say fuck you every now and then. So, uh, that's kind of like the attitude you get sometimes with punk rock. It's like, all right, let's, let's, Let's get this motherfucker right now. Here we go. <laughs> you know, like get all excited. And, and, uh, so I think we'll always still have that in the music. I think just as a musician, you, you, you know, you, you grow up, um, as, as a man, you grow up, um, as you get older, you know, and, and I think, uh, being fans of so many different styles. And now that we've been playing, you know, for so long and, 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 uh, just, the you know, fan base that we've had, we've reached out with so many different artists too. And, and, you know, we've become friends with all these people now. So now when we go on the road, you know, we want to go have a great time. And I think us having a great time with all the musicians that 
that we love also resonates over to the crowd. They can see that, you know, this is not, you know, nothing's fabricated. Like this is all this, what you see is what you get out of slightly stupid and, and, and crew and, and everything. And, and I think there's a respect that we get from people because of that. Like we don't sit there. Okay. Let's go get ready to play. Like, it, it, you know, it's kind of like what you put on for the day is like, all right, that'll be me on stage. And, you know, we kind of go through a regular routine of a couple shots and cocktail, whatever, before you go play. And then you just, you know, go out there and, and try to crush it for the, you know, hour and a half to two hours set you usually get and, and, uh, leave it all on the table. Yeah. Or while you're playing, I don't know who handles your, your marketing for slightly stupid, but the fact that you guys don't have a red solo cup, uh, endorsement deal yet is crazy. Cause I, I don't know if I've ever seen you without <laughs> one, man. Red solo cup. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's like, Dude, that's, that, that's, I know. Right. We should honestly. Um, yeah. Yeah. If you had an action point. figure, if there was a slightly stupid action figure, that would be like your accessory. Um, oh. <laughs> be the red solo Dude. cup. That's fucking hilarious, actually. A solo cup and a, and a, and a bag of weed. Yeah. Be perfect. Good, ex- good accessory bag. Yeah. So, um, I know you, uh, I know you like to play a lot of golf. I hear you're a pretty good golfer. I got to ask you, you ever play any disc golf? You know what? I've actually never played disc golf and I've always, you know, thought it'd be pretty rad to do and it just, I've never done it. I don't know why. I, um, I feel like when I go to the golf course, I'd rather just bring my golf clubs and go play, um, with my buddies. And, but yeah, I've always wanted to do it, but I heard, I heard it's fun, but I'm not, I've never been a great frisbee thrower. So I don't know if I'd be great at that or not. So I don't know. Pretty athletic, dude. I'll tell you what, next time I'm in Southern California, we'll do, we'll do nine on the links and then I'll take you out for nine, uh, to play some disc golf. And I'm, I think I'm you'll find, that. I think you'll find how, uh, how addicting it is. Um, I, I'll tell you what, about seven years ago when I got my first disc, I, uh, I picked my clubs up almost never now at this point. Disc golf is free. You go out wow. to the park. Um, you turn, you know, I turn, we turn the music on the Spotify and it's, awesome. it's like literally hiking through the woods and, and throwing frisbees. And it's exactly like golf, all the same principles and rules. And there's different discs that are different clubs. And, um, so for someone who's a golfer, I think you, I think you might like it. Yeah. What's funny is that, uh, a bunch of people have brought their, their discs to the shows to get signed. Like when we do like the meet and greets, they pull out discs are like, Oh dude, whenever I'm playing frisbee golf, I like to bump. You know, stupid. Can you sign my favorite thing? Blah, blah, blah. And they, they bring their discs out and we talk about it. And I always thought that was rad. Um, never done it. Would definitely, uh, you know, take a couple, uh, splits out there and, and just a couple beers and, and charge it. Yeah. That's the way to do it. So yeah, we'll, uh, next time I'm out in Southern California, we'll, you could take me to, to, to the links and I'll take you out to the park and throw some discs and, We'll, uh, we'll see how we fare in each other's worlds. I'm down, down, dude. That'd, that'd be fun, man. Now, um, Miles, I, I ask everybody who comes on the show, um, if you ran into me and I never heard of the band Sublime, uh, I wasn't familiar with them at all, but I was a huge music fan and I was going to give you an opportunity to play one Sublime song for me to, to really kind of catch my attention. What Sublime song would you turn on? Oh, man. 
you know what? I'm going to keep it. Um, honestly, I, 40 ounces of freedom. I think just if you played that for anyone, it's just a fun song. I've, I've always loved it. Um, that was one of my favorite records in general. Uh, you can go to the, the self-titled record, but, um, it's just more polished. I kind of like the rawness of, of 40 ounces and just that song to me, uh, kind of speaks, uh, you know, the happiness of the band. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it, it's an amazing song. Now, if you were going to play a slightly stupid song, and I know this one's a difficult question for you because they're all your babies. You've had a, but what would you say is the, is the quintessential slightly stupid song? Fuck. Yeah. Tough, right? I don't know, man. Because we play so many different styles. I, I, you'd have to go in like little, little groups of songs. I don't know. I mean, whenever we, sweet honey. Them, all right. I got it. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> um, What's crazy is we only played that song a few times. It, people requested every show. We just, I think we're going to do some sort of version of it um, this year just because we've heard requests for it for so long. We're just going to play it. Don't um, give it to but, them. It's, it's my favorite thing that people cry about in, on the Stupid Heads group that Sweet Honey never gets played live. Don't do it. Don't give it to them. <laughs> Dude, they're begging people, for it. It'd be like turning up the ultra low frequency where people just shit themselves because that's <laughs> like. If we played that song, like, it'd be like, Oh my God, I can't believe we played it. But, uh, honestly, like, uh, one of people's favorite songs to hear is Closer to the Sun. Um, it's, it's one of our mellower songs, but the way we play it live now, it's super powerful. Like, there's a killer, you know, saxophone solo and guitar solo and just keys underneath. It's, it's just, uh, you know, a, a great song to close the set or do it during the encore and, and, um, you know, there, there's so many different songs, but to me, I feel like that song can reach, you know, everybody. You know what I mean? If you were going to play a song, um, great lyrics, melodies, the guitar work. Um, you know, uh, Kyle wrote a beautiful song right there. And I, I think, uh, um, you know, it's, it's been something that's timeless within the group. I think, uh, any, that kind of style of music with ours is, uh, I think people like a lot and, you know, you can, you can play the reggae songs, the officers and the two AMs, um, which again have their own, <clears throat> you know, their own right as well. But, um, I just feel like something like closer to the sun, um, it just it carries such weight. You know, it moves, it, you know, it moves, uh, not only the music, but just the message. Absolutely. And you know what? It was a trick question to both of those because there's no wrong answer to either of them because uh, no. I don't think you could have picked a, a wrong one. Um, here's a question that I always ask for that's, Kelly's that's benefit. <laughs> yeah. I always ask this question for Kelly's benefit because I, I know how much she enjoys hearing um, the stories and, and the, the takes on her brother. So when someone says the name Bradley Knoll to you, other than the amazing music that he made and the amazing music that he uh, uh, left for us, Give me one good, fun, personal memory that comes to mind. A time that you guys were out doing something or just a, any, what comes to mind when you hear that name outside of the music? I mean, he just, he kind of had just an electrifying personality. Uh, kind of, uh, you know, when he, when he was happy and smiling, like you could feel it. And, uh, I remember there was this show we were at, um, and it was somewhere in, in San Diego. I think it might have been like the Salmon House 
like right over the bridge from Ocean Beach. And, and me and Brad were, uh, having a beer and, and some girl came over and, and was asking Brad whatever. And he wasn't even listening. He was just kind of looking at me laughing. And then he just looks at the girl and says, did you hear that? And she's like, what, what? He's like, oh, I farted. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> like it was just like, like that, that moment, he was literally just like not hearing. He was just trying to shake her up just because she was just kind of like so excited to see him where he was just kind of laughing about it because of her excitement level. And then he threw that out there and it just totally, she didn't even know how to respond. It was like, what the fuck? <laughs> he was quite a ladies man. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there's there's a girl out there that tells a story like, yeah, I met that guy from Sublime and he shit in my face. That was the, Dude, that was the best. <laughs> I thought it, honestly, I was dying just because even I was thrown off. I didn't think he was going to say that shit. We were just laughing about something else. And, and that was what he said to her. And I wonder what her memory is <laughs> of that because that was like the end of the conversation. <laughs> I would think so. I would I would imagine that that. Kelly, he, he was a charmer and, uh, and that probably sounds a lot like, you know, I, it's funny because people come on the show and they'll, they'll talk so much about Brad and you can almost hear Kelly like, Oh my God, are you really talking about my stinky brother like this? Like it's just, I, I, I truly <laughs> like, and, uh, so yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy that that one, that was your memory. Um, what's up next for, for slightly stupid? Keep moving forward and, and, uh, hit the studio play whatever shows we can um, and make the best of still this never ending, you know, crazy year and a half or whatever. It's still, uh, you know, for so many musicians, not only us alone, just kind of uncharted waters. Um, So we'll see what happens. I definitely, I mean, I can't go like another year without playing shows. It's absolutely crazy. It's just, it's tough. It's not only tough for, for you know fans that love to go to shows it's also tough for us that love to play music you know um not being able to do it is is definitely mentally challenging you know it's like a whole different you've been an entertainer and a musician for for 25 years and all of a sudden they say that you can't be a musician and an entertainer anymore so it's it's pretty crazy um definitely uh you know it's been nice enjoying this time with the family I'm not going to lie about that part. It's, it's been something that we've never been able to do. Um, something that, uh, I'll never take for granted again. Um, just cause when you're going through the motions of always being gone, that's just kind of what your life is. And then once you've hit the brakes, it's kind of like, Oh shit, this is what, this is what family life is like. Like, all right, this, this is pretty rad. You know, like <laughs> it's cool too, you know, and, and, uh, so, um, definitely looking forward to getting back on the road and, and making music. I know we're going to be recording a new new album um, and all that kind of stuff soon too. So uh, I think just moving forward at whatever pace we're allowed to is uh, kind of what we're going to do. Sure. No, it's uh, it's certainly tough. It's uh, it's tough not being able to go to shows. It's tough not being able to see your your favorite musicians and your your concert buddies out there. Um, and I'll tell you what, for as far as the fans go, not just for every band. We're all, anticip- we're all anticipating big things because you guys have had a lot of time to write great music. So no pressure to you guys. No pressure. <laughs> just wanna- well, I mean, once it comes, once it does come back, it's going to be like a hurricane. You know what I mean? It, it, we're going to, 
be playing with some crazy energy. The fans are going to have crazy energy. Um, it's going to be awesome. Um, they can't hold us down forever. Uh, there's definitely, uh, you know, the old saying from wrestling is who holds you down. And like, basically life's got to start picking up and we got to get back to, to living and, uh, and just, in, and enjoying each other, you know, getting back to where the energy of music reaches millions of people. You know what I mean? Every music doesn't see any sort of color or, or anything. It just plays and, and it feels. And, uh, that's what I love about it. And, um, I can't wait to get back to it, sharing the stage with all my bros and all of our uh, guests that have been friends with us a long time. And, you know, uh, big shout out to our boys and Pepper and Common Kings and Don Carlos. Who So now one of the things that the Noel Family Foundation and uh, Bradley's House did, um, I don't know if you've had an opportunity to hear the amazing compilation album that was put out. Um, have you, have you heard any of that? Was there any songs that stick out to you? A lot of your friends and former touring mates on there covering songs from, uh, you know, a friend of yours. <laughs> yeah, man, there, there was a lot of good songs on there. Uh, Pepper Guys crushed it. Um, I mean, the, 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 I haven't heard the whole record, but there's, there's a few, there's quite a few good songs on there. So I'm glad that everybody was able to do it and, uh, it's for a good cause and, and, uh, just from, you know, all the people that recorded on it, you can see the influence, um, that Brad's music had on people. And, and that's the important thing. Um, and, uh, that's the thing that all those bands and, and ourself included will never, you know, forget because, uh, the influence that Brad had allowed us to kind of form our own, um, our own styles and our own, uh, you know, following of people and fans and, and uh, it's really cool. The whole circle kind of, it just keeps going and, and more people jump, jump in and, and, uh, it's great. Absolutely. Now I, uh, I have to thank my wonderful co-host Kelly. She knows what a huge, slightly stupid fan I am. And she's kind of allowed me to monopolize the time on this one, but that's okay. When we had Frank Turner on, I don't even think I got a word in, I don't think I got a word in edgewise. <laughs> So, that's uh, true. It's so we've true. got a we got a good partnership here. So no, that's uh, thank awesome. you, thank you for that, Kelly and uh, Miles. It's been awesome being able to chat with you, and uh, we really appreciate you coming on and uh, and giving us some time because I know the fans have been have been eagerly awaiting this one. So um, I'm happy that we could we could finally put it together and and get you to come on. And hopefully we can get you back on sometime in the future after you guys are out touring and getting a new album out and, and talk a little bit about that. Um, in the meantime, where where can everybody check out Slightly Stupid? You guys got uh, got the Stupid Heads group on Facebook. Um, any websites or live yeah, streams I mean, this, coming you know, this- up or... The, always the slightly stupid.com, the Instagram kind of page. And, um, I think, uh, next week I'm going to do, uh, um, a little, uh, Facebook, Instagram live, um, just a little acoustic session. Um, and then, uh, I'm probably going to be in the studio in May for a little while. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it really. Um, just going to keep working on new music and, and when uh, we find out if we can play shows, we'll announce that to the fans. And and from there on, um, you know, just keep on uh, keep on living. Like uh, like Matthew McConaughey said, he's like L I V I N living. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's got a he's got some he's got some pretty strong quotes. The one that always sticks out to me from that terrible mover movie that he did when he was like the surfer or whatever it was. But oh, always, dude, I know what you're talking about. It always sticks out because he says uh, he says weed will get you through times with no money way better than money will get you through times with no <laughs> weed. <laughs> dude, that that shit was classic. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's so a keeper, good. So I mean, talking what? about a good that dude has lived a good life right there, dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't even so, know how uh, he's the worst actor ever. He's just a likable person, though. That's the thing. Like so, sometimes you don't even have to be a great actor just because he's he's chosen some pretty good roles. You know, been in good movies or good enough where you know it's entertaining, but. Just think about his character from Dazed and Confused. <laughs> We're talking about some fucking muscle. <laughs> hey, man, you got a joint? Nope. Be a lot cooler if you did. Which is, uh, which is one of my one of my favorite lines ever. So, yeah, you're right. He's He picked some classic roles. And you know what? I'm sure he listens to Bradley's house. So, Tuttle. Matt... I'm sorry, dude. I, I didn't mean it. You've had a, a great career. Um, you're very successful. Um, I'll buy you a cup of coffee sometime for saying that you're a horrible actor. I don't, I don't, I don't mean it. I don't mean I it, Matt. I think he'll be okay. Matt, yeah. That's going to be fine. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think so too. So, Miles, uh, it's a lot of fun, man. I know that you have a, a super busy schedule and, uh, I know that you have three kids that are, uh, are probably wondering what you're doing in the garage. I know my, my kids, they were always wondering what I was doing in the garage too, but they weren't allowed in there. So um, they're still I, they're still oblivious to to um, me smoking weed. Yeah, I uh, it was tough because in Portland it was like it was everywhere, and I'll yeah. never I'll never forget walking past um, a group of guys that were like sitting on a park bench smoking a joint, and my twelve year old who was like seven at the time looks up at me and goes daddy smells like the garage over there and i'm like dude, <laughs> yeah, just dude, that's keep walking keep walking <laughs> that's uh, what uh my daughter always says it smells like daddy's studio and i was yeah. like oh it's because we use the same air the same uh you know the air spray air freshener <laughs> and she's just like uh, that's not i'm not gonna be able to get away with that for too no, much longer though they're not. they're uh you know they they're gonna like go on some sort of YouTube and just see me smoking a spliff on stage and be like, Dad, what the fuck yeah. is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to answer for that. Well, you know what? In all fairness, my mom did a really good job hiding it from me. And then the very first time in middle school that I ever smoked a joint, and as soon as it got lit, I looked at my buddy and I was like, dude, you got a vacuum cleaner bag burning in here? He's like, no, what are you talking about? I'm like, because my mom vacuums like three times a night, every night. And she keeps telling me the bags burn and that's the smell that's coming from her. <laughs> oh, and then it all kind of connected and it all made it. sense. Yeah. Cause oh, I remember Jesus. her telling me like, I remember her telling me like, listen, man, you know, you're in middle school, you're going into high school. Kids are going to offer you drugs. You have to say no, but what you do, you take them, you bring them home to mommy and I'll make sure that the right stuff. So 
Um, you bring him home she, to mommy. Yeah, she gave me, she's like, you know, I don't want you to touch him. You just, we'll get the, you just bring him home. And, uh, so yeah, it was, it, it all started to, it all started to make sense there. So, um, Miles again, man, I, I thank you so much for, for coming on and, and just kind of sharing some fun stories and having some laughs with us and giving me a, an opportunity to kind of fanboy out a little bit. And, uh, and you know what? Fuck you to anybody who says fanboy is a dirty term. Okay. Because it's not. <laughs> All right. It does sound. A, it does sound a little crazy, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a little sweet, you know. It's a little it's, dirty. It's, it's a little it's sweet, you know. I don't know if I'm as dirty as you want it to be. Yeah, I don't know if I'm a fanboy, you know. Like maybe like fan man or man fan. Man. Fan. I am fan man. Fan man. Yeah, fan boy. You know? cape. Yeah, no, but you know what? Jesus Christ! It's not a bad thing. We're, we're keeping. We're keeping you going, you know. So no, and, no, it, it's awesome, dude. It's awesome. Yeah, I somebody called me I, a fanboy in my I, face. I'll kick their fucking ass. But, uh, <laughs> no, but I, yeah. I appreciate you guys uh, having me on. Uh, thanks a lot and, uh, for taking the time too. I know uh, yeah, everybody's busy, so yeah, absolutely. So and once we uh, once we get back on the road, hopefully we can uh, you know we can get you guys out to a to a Noel Family Foundation event and uh, and raise some raise some money and spread some awareness. So. Um, yeah, that'd be great. Just let us, uh, just give us a call. Um, we're always around. Awesome, man. Well, again, I can't thank you enough. And, uh, and I certainly appreciate you coming on. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, um, Miles. Have a good one. You too, Kelly. Thanks, Jared. Wow, Kelly. Uh, again, you set up an amazing guest for us and, uh, Miles came on and told some awesome stories and, uh, really looking forward to slightly stupid and everybody getting back out on tour. But thank you for, well, you know what? Jaime really, really set that up through you. So shout out to our friend Jaime. Um, he get the credit. He, yeah, he, uh, he, he really did step up and, and, and get that one set up, but, uh, you know, it's all because of that null dust I tell you about, <laughs> right? You guys got that, that fancy last name that, that just drags people in, but it's really oh cool. God. Anytime, anytime we get to have somebody on that, that new Brad and got to hang out yeah. and, and spend some time with them. And, uh, you could see today from their touring and the, the music that they play, how, how strongly influenced they were by Brad and Sublime. It's a wonderful thing. I'm sure he's really proud of what they've done. Yeah, absolutely. How could he not be? Uh, and for those of you who have enjoyed this podcast, um, whether you're a fan of the foundation or slightly stupid or just a fan of Kelly, like we all are, um, <laughs> you of course, uh, we're here to, to raise money to get Bradley's house up and built and to help others. And you guys can have your own little piece in the sublime story by helping the Noel family foundation get Bradley's house built. There's so many ways you guys can get involved. Uh, Kelly, if somebody's listening to this right now and they're thinking, how can I help? What are some ways? Well, they can definitely check out our website, which is the org. We've got a lot of information there. We've got our merch all on there and we have a donate button. So that would be awesome. And we also can take donations through PayPal to info at org. We also have Cash App. We're Noel Family on Cash App and we're Noel Foundation on Venmo. And then of course there's all our social media where people can always donate through Instagram and Facebook too. But everyone's been so great and so generous. We just appreciate all the support. 
Yeah, absolutely, guys. If you want some awesome merch and you want to know that the money is going to an amazing cause to, to help people out, visit the org. Pick up a hat, a hoodie, a t-shirt. If you've already got one, buy one for a gift. Um, and outside of, you know, the donations that Quite frankly, the foundation needs to get this house up and built. There are some other things that you guys can do. You can make sure that you are subscribed to this podcast on platforms everywhere. You can find us on uh, Apple and uh, Spotify and YouTube. And if there's some place for you to listen to a podcast, Bradley's house is probably on there. Go ahead and look us up. Hit that subscribe button. Give us a five-star review. If you don't think we've earned a five-star review, just fucking click it anyway. It's really a big help. Um, and, uh, let everybody know to, to check out Bradley's house. And another cool thing that we haven't brought up yet is, uh, for those of us, especially in COVID times, uh, we're not hitting the stores as much. We're doing a lot of our shopping through Amazon and, uh, purchasing gifts that we're sending out to people that we don't get to see during social distancing or just purchasing stuff for ourselves out of boredom. You can go set up, uh, through Amazon smile to have the Knoll family foundation benefit from your purchase. You don't have to do anything extra. It doesn't cost you any extra money, uh, but you can go ahead and set that up and uh, we'll share some links for that as well. And I saw that's something that a lot of people have been doing and uh, every little bit helps. Absolutely. It really does. So Kelly, when we spoke with Miles, he had mentioned um, that his sublime song that he would play would be 40 ounces to freedom. So I think the choice for the song to lead our, uh, our listeners out to is pretty easy, right? Absolutely. We're going to have 40 Ounce to Freedom by Johnny Cosmic from the house that Bradley built. He did a great job covering it. And of course, if anybody wants to check out more info about the album, they can go to Law Records website, which is law-records.com, law-records.com, and uh, check out all the stuff they have there for the album. They've got posters, t-shirts, lots of great stuff. And we sure appreciate our friends at Law Records for making that album happen. Yeah, absolutely, guys. And on the Bradley's House YouTube page, we also have shared uh, a bunch of those songs that Law Records page had up. Um, so you can check out the podcast. You can hit up the archives and listen to awesome interviews with um, Kelly's dad and um, Miguel and Marshall and uh, the Z-Man and some just awesome inspirational stories from folks uh, from the foundation and other musicians. So uh, go ahead and check that out. And you can also check out some of those songs uh, from the album and uh, a lot of those artists, you can find more of their catalogs on uh, Law Records website as well. So um, Law Records, a, a huge supporter and uh, friend and even family to the Noel Family Foundation. So uh, again, a lot of ways you guys can help support the cause, uh, support the podcast and support the foundation. And as long as you guys are enjoying what we're doing, we're going to keep on doing it. But for right now, I'm Jared Orr. She's Kelly Noel, and you guys don't have to go home, but it's time to leave Bradley's house. Hi, this is Brindy from the Noel Family Foundation. Many people struggle with addiction. Here is a personal story from someone in recovery. We hope you'll be encouraged as they share their experience, strength, and hope. Well, I'm going to start with I'm Tom, and I'm an alcoholic. Uh, my sobriety date is February 26th of 1997. So I did just celebrate a birthday here in the last couple of months. Um, you know, alcohol and drugs played a huge part in my life up until 24 years ago. Um, you know, growing up, I thought my father was alcoholic, but 
he was the kind of alcoholic that, you know, we had the, the big house and the nicest cars in the neighborhood and, you know, he had a good job and all of us kids had nice bikes and, you know, I, I thought that was totally normal. Uh, grew up in a su suburban Chicago neighborhood that I think back to, you know, the neighbors there, there were probably five or six that, that it was just a constant block party. And that's what my childhood was. And I just grew up thinking that was totally normal. And then as I got to be a teenager, you know, I grew into that same kind of lifestyle or, or design for a living as what we'd call it, as I call it now. But, but, uh, you know, it was just how I thought things were supposed to be. And then into my, my teenage years, got in trouble, car wrecks, arrests, fights, you know, just, I, again, thought it was all normal to come home with a black eye and, you know, a crunch defender and just thought that was how people lived. <clears throat> and, you know, into my 20s, same kind of deal, you know, I get, I get in trouble and, you know, I clean up a little bit and get the heat off and get through my probationary time or whatever it was and, and uh, you know, go out and do it again three years later. So I mean, from the period of the mid-20s, I moved to California when I was 21 years old. And, you know, from 21 to 40, I think I had, you know, two or three major arrests, car accidents, DUIs, whatever, and always went through these rehab, retread, recovery programs. And it never really stick. Alcoholics Anonymous was one of those. I went to my first AA meeting when I was 17 years old. And, you know, I still remember things that happened at that meeting, even though it didn't stick then, I still remember things that happened. And the most, the most time that I recall those things that happened is when I'm sitting in a jail cell in trouble once again, I remember some of those things that happened in that meeting. I was lucky enough this time after, uh, you know, after my final arrest, which was out of state, and I thought for sure all the info was going to get back here to California, and I was going to be doing some some uh, serious jail time because it was probably my third, if you counted the California ones. And, you know, I was just sure that life was over for me. Um, I found an, an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, you know, a small group of people that were just like me. Uh, I learned to look for the similarities instead of the differences. And I started a different lifestyle. I learned from them that, you know, life, life was not meant to be the way that I thought it was. You know, I married into a, a family of normies. Uh, I always tell the story that, you know, my wife has three brothers. And, you know, I remember one of the first times that we got together for like a 4th of July barbecue or picnic or Memorial Day or whatever. And everybody was together and all the brothers were in town. And, and uh, you know, they said, oh, this is really great to have everybody together. Well, let's go get a six pack. And I remember thinking, these people really think a six pack is fun. But to normal people, you know, that's what they do. They drink a beer and, you know, call it a day. Uh, it was never that way for me. But I at least got to learn from knowing people then that there was another life. And I got to learn from seeing other people in Alcoholics Anonymous that, you know, started a daily routine and started a daily routine that usually meant, you know, a conversation with God and some time of meditation.
and some time devoted to someone else other than myself. Uh, I learned, you know, that it was time to give back. And I started giving back to the community, started coaching Little League Baseball, got involved in my kids' lives, you know, and just kind of on from there. I, like I said, I, I learned a whole new design for a living, a whole new lifestyle. Uh, and, and it, you know, I look back now and I think about, you know, 24 years of sobriety. That, to me, that's my whole life. I don't even count the years prior to me being 40 years old as part of my life and that it seems like I, I could have never lived like that. And I, I'm so glad to live the way that I do now and even more to be a part of, of recovery in other people's lives because that's the most important thing to me now is to be able to continue to, to be involved in, in recovery in, in many aspects but mostly in Alcoholics Anonymous, I love seeing, you know, other people get sober and seeing their lives change and, you know, seeing them get husbands back or not, uh, you know, kids back, new houses, uh, cars, driver's license, simple thing like a driver's license and insurance. I've heard that shared in a meeting, like that was a huge deal. And it was a huge deal because I drove on a suspended license for a long time and, and I never really divulged that. But then to hear other people say, I got a car, I got a driver's license, and I got insurance, and they're all in my name. You know, that's a big deal. That's a big step for people that lived like me, you know, before. And, you know, I'm thankful for recovery and, you know, especially Alcoholics Anonymous, because Alcoholics Anonymous happens to be my vehicle that, that got me this way. And, you know, I, I look at, you know, all that I've gone through in sobriety, you know, I've had a series of, of health issues that it's funny. I always tell people, yeah, I'm, I've been pretty healthy overall, but then I look back and, you know, I battled cancer in 2006 and through 2009 or 10 and then I had a hip replacement, had prostate cancer. Then most recently been through some spinal surgeries, had a, a bacterial infection that attacked my spine kind of out of nowhere in December of uh, 2020. And over the last three or four months, gone through four pretty serious uh, spine surgeries. But, you know, all the while doing this, I'm able to do it with people like me in recovery telling me, you know, it's going to be okay. Because believe me, especially this last three or four months, and I think Brindy will attest, I, 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 there's times that I did not think it was going to be okay. And there's still times, you know, this week that I don't think it's going to be okay because I'm still struggling. But uh, one thing I know that if I live life a day at a time and I stay on the straight and narrow and stick with the pack, you know, somebody said that when I came in, stick with the pack. It's like the pack of animals. If, you, if you're a fringe player, you're bound to get picked off. So I got in the middle of the pack and kind of stayed with it. And man, it worked out good for me. It's, uh, like I said, it's, it's a design for living that, that I happen to like. And and keeps me out of trouble. I haven't been arrested in over 24 years. <laughs> That's a good thing. And, uh, you know, I, I battle life one day at a time. When I get challenges, you know, they come up and you, know, you take them down as you can. And I'm lucky enough to have to have taken them down, you know, one at a time. And I'm sure I'll get through my latest one. But like I said, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be if I didn't have a family of so sober people around me. My sober army, one of our friends of always calls it because it is, it truly is a sober army.
and I'm glad to be surrounded by a silver army. Got your red dress on, screaming that second gear was such a turn on. And the fog forming on my window tells me that the morning's here and you'll be gone before too long. Who taught you those new tricks? Damn, I shouldn't start that talk. But life is one big question when you're staring at the clock and the is always waiting at the liquor store for the ounces to freedom and I take that walk and I know that oh I'm not going back oh I'm not going back oh God knows I'm not going back Yeah.